Hi guys, I'm back. This is Laura Hutchinson. I am sharing with you from my podcast, Love God and Love Your Neighbor. I wanted to share this sermon with you. This is the beginning of a sermon series that I'm pretty excited about. It is a sermon series called Abominations in the Bible. Abomination is a word that has been so deeply charged throughout Christendom, but throughout church history. Christians love to use this word to beat other people over the head. It is a terrifying word, and I have avoided it through most of my ministry and any scripture that might use this word because I don't like the way it has made people feel. Well, I have discovered in my studies and in my uh, preparations for this sermon and for the rest that the word abomination does not mean what we think it means. And so I invite you to listen to this sermon and to next week's sermon and the sermon after that to find out more about what the word abomination really means and maybe a little bit about what it doesn't mean. Thank you for listening and I will... See you soon. I um, I want to thank our musicians. You brought me to tears today, and I am grateful. Gracias, Mariana. Thank you. Let us pray. <clears throat> Gracious and loving God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. So, today we begin a sermon series that I have called Abominations in the Bible. The fact that you showed up today is an honor because it means you trust me. (laughs) I appreciate that. And I'll be honest, this is a pretty daunting task to me because this word abomination has been used so often throughout history by the church and church people to justify acts of oppression, condemnation, and even murder. This single word can at once make people feel empowered or completely demoralized depending on where you stand in life. And as a pastor who feels compelled to share God's love, I have been repulsed by this word altogether. (laughs) It's okay. Yes, I have been repulsed by this word abomination. And yet it is in the Bible, right? The Bible, which is the inspired word of God, the living word, is, which is relevant today, it is as relevant today as it was the first time that the words were printed. The Old and the New Testament scriptures, they use this word more than a few times to say the least, right? And so I am challenging myself to face it in all of its terrible reality. And so in preparation for this series, I started reading and reading and reading. First, I read the book of Deuteronomy several times. Have you ever done that? It's a lot. 
I also read lots and lots of articles by scholars and, and, and historians and things like that. And, and I was a bit surprised by what I found. Because now I am starting to think that this word is not what it seems. I'm thinking that maybe in our haste to judge our fellow neighbor, we might have missed the deeper meaning of what God wanted all of us to know in the first place. How many of you have seen The Princess Bride? Just like Anigo Matoya said in this movie, my favorite movie, the most quotable movie on the earth, he said, you keep using this word. I don't think this word means what you think it means. That's true for abomination. In our scripture today, we find the word abomination, or at least we find the Hebrew word that is often translated as abomination. In the New Revised Standard Version, which is what you find in your pew Bibles, it says every abhorrent thing instead of abomination. But it means the same thing. So out of curiosity, I looked up the word on Wikipedia just to see what it said. And so I ask you now to please forgive my ignorance of Hebrew pronunciation here because I am going to muddle through it. And for, this is for the podcast, for any Jewish person or Hebrew scholar listening in, please don't judge me too harshly. Anyway, Wikipedia and abomination... Wikipedia said that abomination is an English term used to translate the Bible. I'm sorry, I can't see it. Okay, let's see. Abomination is an English term used to translate the biblical Hebrew terms shikuts and shikets, which are derived from shakats or the term toibe. An abomination in English is that which is exceptionally loathsome hateful, sinful, wicked, or vile. The term... The devil does not want me to preach this sermon. The term shikuts is translated abomination by almost all translations in the Bible. The similar word, sheketz and shakats, are almost exclusively used for dietary violations. The common but slightly different Hebrew term, to'ibe, which is probably the word that is used in our scripture today, is also translated as abomination in the authorized King James Version. But many modern versions of the Bible translate this word as detestable or loathsome. All right, so we have established the definition and the meaning of this word of the day. So what exactly does God find to be detestable or loathsome. Well, first of all, let me establish that I have not yet seen anything that leads me to believe that God actually hates any person. As it says in Genesis 1, all things that God created are good. God does not hate what God created, nor does God hate what is good. And God created you and me and every person walking the earth. Therefore, God can never hate any of us. Amen? Amen. But God does hate certain actions and behaviors. And our our scripture today highlights the main abominable act that is condemned throughout the Bible. I'm going to reread to you the second part of today's text as we find it in the New King James Version. 
Because this is the version that uses the word of the day. When the Lord your God cuts off from before you the nations which you go to dispossess, and you displace them and dwell in their land, take heed to yourself that you are not ensnared to follow them after they are destroyed from before you, and that you do not inquire after their gods, saying, How did these nations serve their gods? I also will do likewise. You shall not worship the Lord your God in that way. For every abomination to the Lord which he hates, they have done to their gods. For they burn even their sons and daughters in the fire to their gods. Whatever I command you, be careful to observe it. You shall not add to it nor take away from it. If you aren't familiar with what's going on in the book of Deuteronomy, here it is in a nutshell. Moses, guided by God, has after 40 long years finally led the Israelites through the desert right up to the edge of the promised land. They're looking at it, right? The land of the Canaanites. The Canaanites do not worship Yahweh, the one true God of all creation. They worship invented fertility gods called, among other things, Baal, Molech, and Asherah. God knew that the Israelites' ability to stay faithful to God was weak at best. And God knew from experience that the first chance that they got, they would jump ship and worship the next pretty face that came along. So God, through Moses, told the Israelites to conquer this land and all of the people in it and then destroy every shred of evidence of those false gods that they came across. He told them not to not so much as look at another god, much less make a sacrifice to it. And heaven forbid that they should sacrifice their children or participate in any other worship practices that God found to be abominable. Moses went on and on and on about it, really driving home the message to these fickle followers. And the word that he used for all of the things that those Canaanites did during their worship of their fake God was abomination. Deuteronomy 22.5, the English Standard Version says, by the way, all of the scripture from this, on, from this point on is going to be English Standard Version. Deuteronomy 22.5 says, A woman shall not wear a man's garment, nor shall a man put on a woman's cloak, for whoever does these things is an abomination to the Lord your God. Is cross-dressing an abomination? No. No. It is, is the practice of temple priests and priestesses dressing in clothes of the opposite sex for the purpose of imitating and worshiping their gods, is that an abomination? Yes, that's the abomination. Deuteronomy 23, 18. You shall not bring the fee of a prostitute or the wages of a dog into the house of the Lord your God in payment for any vow, for both of these are an abomination to the Lord your God. Again, this is not a condemnation of prostitutes as we know them today, or of dogs, it is a condemnation of the temple prostitutes used in the worship of Asherah. Deuteronomy 
Cursed be the man who makes a carved or cast image, metal image, an abomination to the Lord, a thing made by the hands of a craftsman and sets it up in secret. Deuteronomy 32, 16. They stirred him to jealousy with strange gods, with abominations they provoked him to anger. Deuteronomy 29, 17. And you have seen their detestable things, their idols of wood and stone, of silver and gold, which were among them. Deuteronomy 18.12, For whoever does these things is an abomination to the Lord, and because of these abominations, the Lord your God is driving them out before you. Deuteronomy 23.17, None of the daughters of Israel shall be a cult prostitute, and none of the sons of Israel shall be a cult prostitute. Deuteronomy 7.25-26, The carved images of their gods you shall burn with fire. You shall not covet the silver or the gold that is on them, or take it for yourselves, lest you be ensnared by it. For it is an abomination to the Lord your God. And you shall not bring an abominable thing into your house and become devoted to destruction like it. You shall utterly detest and abhor it, for it is devoted to destruction." You see, the true abomination, the thing that is most offensive to God over anything else in life, is for a person that God created to put something above God. In their case, they worshipped made-up gods by carving images of them out of wood or stone or, or making them out of metal. They did things that you're only supposed to do with your spouse, with priests and priestesses in the name of this made-up God. And worst of all, they sacrificed their precious, innocent children, created by God, probably their firstborn, to these made-up gods. In our case, today, there are so many other things that we are tempted to worship in place of the one true God. As Olivia said, money... Power, fame, just think about how many people are trying to get famous on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and on and on. I think we even put fun above God, our cell phones, whatever. And there are many other false religions that are trying to wiggle their way into our daily routines routines, and even into our worship, which God says, do not worship me the way you worship them. And still, God wants us to worship only him. I read an article called Fertility Cults of Canaan. I told my fellow pastors I've been reading up on all this stuff, and they're like, ugh. (laughs) I think it's fascinating. Anyway, it's fascinating because it's so relevant to our ministry here in this church because it explains a lot about the scriptures that have been used to hurt and abuse, misused to hurt and abuse many members of our congregation and many people in the world. Okay, but this article explained that up until this point in our scripture, the Israelites had been desert people. Abraham lived in the desert. His descendants lived in the desert. They were rescued by God from slavery and led into the desert, right? 
So while they wandered around in the desert for years and years, God took care of them, spoke to them, fed them, gave them everything that they needed. Yahweh was a desert God. But here they were, looking at farmland for the first time ever. And the people of this new land, who were thriving, by the way, they worshipped agricultural gods, fertility gods. The Israelites were tempted to worship both the desert god and the fertility gods just to, you know, cover all their bases. And Yahweh says, no! That is not how this works. Baal is a rock. I don't know how to emphasize that enough. I am the creator of the universe. And by the way, I created that rock that you carved Baal out of, right? To worship that thing is to spit in my eye. You see, when we worship anything other than the one true God, we're basically giving God the finger. And if that seems vulgar to you, that's the point. The the word that Moses uses is abomination because to God it is absolutely obscene for us to put faith in anything other than our God. Now I'm going to say something that may sound familiar to you. We have a version of it on our own church t-shirts, you may know. But all of this is echoed by Jesus in Mark 12 and several other of the Gospels. Do you remember it? When asked which is the greatest commandment in the law, Jesus answered, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. Jesus was quoting from Deuteronomy 6, by the way. The Lord our God... The Lord is one God, not two, not three, not four, one. The Lord is one, and we shall love our one God with everything we have. Because to give God anything less than everything is an abomination, don't you think? Amen? Amen. Thank you so much for listening to this sermon. I hope that it was um, interesting to you, that it was moving to you, that it was spiritually edifying for you. Um, And I wanted to make a special invitation to you to visit us. If you can't visit us in person at uh, 1327 Layton Avenue, Anniston, Alabama, then I want to invite you to come to our website at fccanniston.org at fccanniston.org or visit us on our Facebook page, FCC Anniston, or our Instagram page. Just come visit us, get to know us. Involve, get yourself involved in the dialogue and the conversations that we're having, and I uh, pray that we can all grow closer to God together. Love you.